0: Welcome to the Smart Driving Cars podcast. I'm Fred Fishkin, along with the Faculty Chair of Autonomous Vehicle Engineering at Princeton University, Alan Kornhauser. Hi again, Alan. Hey,
1: good afternoon, Fred.
0: Good afternoon, and we're happy to have Matthew Doss joining us once again. Matthew was the longest-serving commissioner and chairman of the New York City Taxi and Limousine Commission. He's now a partner and chair of transportation at the law firm Wendell's Marks. He also serves as Transportation Technology Chair at the City University of New York's Transportation Research Center and President of the International Association of Transportation Regulators. I'm running out of breath, but thanks for, for being here again, Matthew. <laughs> and
1: it's great to have you with us.
2: Same, same here. It's good to be with you again, gentlemen.
0: As our listeners know, we focus on transportation, mobility, and most of the time the role autonomous vehicles might play in the future, and what is going on today to bring that about. This week, lawmakers in New York State approved a new congestion pricing policy for Manhattan below 60th Street. Matt, give us the overview of what this is intended to accomplish and what the plan is to put it into effect.
2: Well, um, I think I'm not really sure what it's intended to accomplish um, at this point, other than we know for sure it will be pricing. I mean, we we're talking a little bit before the podcast about, is this an MTA tax? Is it, you know, congestion pricing? What do we really call this thing? You know, Alan had some different ideas on that. But really, the only thing that's certain is that people are being taxed, and there's pricing going on. And it started with four-hour vehicles, and now it has officially expanded, not momentarily, but um, after the Uh, the state elections in 2020, when everybody's safe, as of December 31st, 2020. So um, when we go into um, potentially 2021, we're going to start seeing everybody else being taxed for coming into the Central Business District. Interestingly enough, they made the cutoff uh, in Manhattan south of 60th Street. They didn't go, you know, on Central Park East or West. There's a lot of congestion up there. That's a little bit unclear. Um, it is um actually a pretty big deal because you have cities all over the uh, country that are now uh, lining up to say, we want to see how it works in New York um you know you got Boston philly l a Chicago, Seattle, everybody's talking about it, but um will it really solve the congestion problem that we have is a is a big question mark because you know and we could talk a little bit about that, but the the logistics are as follows. Um, there's going to be, of course, a, um, you know, this is to benefit the MTA. So we also, we created a board so that the politicians didn't have to make any tough decisions right now because they were up against the budget deadline. And they were just looking to throw this in what we call the big ugly, you know, which is this huge, (laughs) technically a term apart in, in Albany, it's called the big ugly. It's like a thousand page budget bill. And they happen to sneak little laws in there without having a public hearing about it. We're going through the process that any law goes through. So um, th- this law basically, um, you know, says that the tra- the Triborough Bridge and Tunnel Authority, which is um, an, you know an, an entity that is technically controlled by the MTA and the, or the governor, is going to put together a panel, which um, which is going to be making the decisions on how we how we uh, collect the toll, um, what type of equipment we're using, the exemptions. Um, And this board is completely controlled by the governor uh, of New York. Uh, Technically, it's called the Traffic Mobility Review Board. Um, The mayor has one potential appointee, the mayor of New York City, who needs to be approved by the governor, by the way, uh, which is a very interesting dynamic. (laughs) Um, um, But right now we have like, you know, we have half of the ice cube tray filled with, uh, you know, four higher vehicles. And taxi cabs being charged since January 1st. Uh, we talked about this on the last podcast. And I, I got into a cab, you know, a couple of days after it went into effect. And the guy thanked me profusely and told me that <laughs> he's disabled and he, he, his, his friends are leaving the city to go to Jersey, if you can believe that. Oh, great. Uh, <laughs> Just what we need in Jersey. <laughs> well, well, we're, we're, there's a border war, you know, potentially. <laughs> Shaping up Jersey City's mayor. I don't know who, you know, other than Goldman employees that use the ferry to go to Jersey City. I'm not really sure how he can possibly retaliate against us with taxes. But um, he did make a good point, though. You know, this is a metropolitan region, and the other states are not at the table, you know, with respect to this policy. It affects commerce, right? It affects everybody. But going back to the cab driver story, the guy thanked me profusely for giving him a tip. Now we don't have all the data just yet, but the guy told me that he's been driving around for a week without a single tip from anybody because the passengers, and this is messaging, probably think that the money's going to the driver and that it's just another fare increase. And, and what, what ended up happening is, um, after you know, after he told me he got a one dollar trip for going to the airports and, and people are leaving the industry and his friends are just packing up, you know, this is like not a good thing for this industry. And um, you know, people have, as I predicted, still show up for work. And there's probably going to be a, you know, um, you know, a reduction in the number of vehicles that are out there as a result of not making money because of this charge if uh, in the next couple of months. But um, half of it's in effect. But the other half is not coming for a long time. Trucks, buses, private, uh, you know, vehicles that are going on the road. And there are only two exemptions. Um, and these are common exemptions if you look at the other countries around the world and other cities. Um, one is for emergency vehicles. And the other thing that's a sure thing that's in the law, there must be an exemption for persons with disabilities. Though so who qualifies to be someone who has a, uh, you know, a, a vehicle transporting a person with a disability is unclear. And, I, and this board is going to be making that decision and decisions on other potential um, um, uh, 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 exemptions or carve-outs. And that could include, by the terms of, of, of the law, um, you know, variable toll amounts. They can look at traffic patterns. They can look at m- mitigation measures. O- all these impacts on court on, uh, on, on operating costs, peak and off-peak rate, peak, peak rates, environmental impacts. They they really have a lot of authority to make final recommendations on not just what is charged and how and when it's charged, but also who's exempt from it. Um, and you know, politicians have been talking. About a lot of other types of exemptions, which didn't make it into the law, but this mobility board will probably have the ability to put them there if they choose, and that would include, um, you know, hardship exemptions for people who maybe uh, have low income, um, and uh, you know, people who live in, in, in out of boroughs that are not served potentially by uh, mass transit in transportation deserts that have no other way to get in. Um, I, I think. The, the, the discussion of carve-outs is uh, a big, long laundry list, and it's going to be interesting to see what happens there. Um, and you know, and, and the carveouts, you know, for for, for higher vehicles, um, you know, which I think would be a good policy, don't really exist anywhere th- other than London, and they're rolling that back now as we speak. I mean, Stockholm and Singapore um, and uh, New York City now will charge taxis and Ubers and liveries and car services and black cars and limos and all those folks are being charged to come into the the congestion district. But um, in London for years, um, until recently, black cabs, uh, the taxi black cabs have been exempted and the private hire vehicles, which are our equivalent of a a four-hire vehicle like a black car or a livery, have been exempt as well. As of uh, this week, actually, um, in four days from now, Uh, London, amid a lot of controversy, is removing the exemption for private hires, but not for black taxi cabs. And the rationale is, consistent with some of the carve-outs we're talking about, is that the black cabs are all uh, accessible, uh, wheelchair accessible in theory, not in accordance with ADA standards under the U.S., but they have uh, the ability to put a wheelchair in all those cars. And I think that was the public policy rationale. Um, So, I I mean... The exemptions that we're talking about are not uncommon. Every single one of these cities um, has emergency vehicle exemptions. Um, some of them have other exemptions that may be on the table here, like two-wheeled motorbikes, emergency vehicles, um, you know, uh, government vehicles. Um, and Stockholm has probably the most interesting list of um, you know different exemptions, uh, aside from diplomats and, and and motorbikes and mopeds and military vehicles. They also exempt. Uh, you know uh, vehicles that are used exclusively uh, uh, for electric uh pr- propulsion or biofuels anything that doesn't have petroleum in it so there's actually an environmental thing going on so we we are not there yet I mean we, we have a lot to study and I, I think you know the next year or so um, this panel will be looking at the fixed New york of uh, you know work that the governor put together with his panel of experts they're going to be looking at um, I'm sure um, what predictions and, and, and uh, models will be out there in terms of what, how we get congestion down and raise enough money without necessarily, um, um, you know, creating too many exemptions that we're going to have, this, that, that the policy is not going to work. But I think one thing, um, having worked for government for over 20 years, is a certainty that there is a number. And that number is the amount of money that needs to be raised to go to the MTA. So whatever this board does, exemptions or otherwise, they're going to be judged by that number. So that, you know, it's a budget bill that that created this law, and the governor wants money to go to mass transit to finally fix it um, over the long term. And that whatever this board does, I can guarantee you that the numbers will add up to the billion dollars or so per year that the governor wants. Uh, the, what we have in place now, uh, the estimates are about $365 million per year with the, the Ubers and the taxi cabs. Um, you know, and and that's kind of an overview of, of what it's going to be. Uh, but what what the price is, how they're going to do it, they're going to use cameras like London or Easy Pass. Uh, this is all to be determined by a board that nobody knows uh, who's on it just yet. Um, and it's going to be a really really interesting uh, time for the next year or so, especially since uh, a, I think a Quinnipiac poll or some other polls came out recently saying that everybody hates it just like they did in Stockholm and London before they passed it. But everybody hates it. Nobody likes it. Of course, nobody likes getting taxed. Nobody likes the subways the way they are now. So there's just a lot of, you know, naysayers out there and people that are very negative about it. Um, but I'll tell you, I drive into the city every day, as you guys know. And if it actually solves the congestion problem, I will pay it.
1: You will and be I a say, no. happy camper, Matt. You will be I, a happy camper. I think but you I, know. it's a big,
2: Big question, Mark, though, Alan, whether this thing's going to really work.
1: Well, yeah, I know. And and I think, uh, you know, the sort of uh, argue a little bit on the other side so that we, you know, try to. We have to be balanced, or I don't know if we have to be balanced, but just
0: uh, when did that start? I mean, really,
1: for, for people for, from Jersey driving into the city and driving into Manhattan, or realizing how much one has to pay to park, uh, and so on uh, the taxes, uh, it probably is deserved for the use of the space. Um, I think one of the things that that I've commented uh, that I thought was done well with the with the um, uh, TNCs was was the uh, the shared ride exemption and that in fact uh if one shares a ride uh and really shares a ride it's not just that i'm bringing my uh my blow-up doll with me and it looks like there are two people with me uh, but it's actually a shared ride and i i think uh, to me, I think that 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 is really good because, a sense, if you're really taking a vehicle off the road, uh, an additional vehicle off the road, um, then you're 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 uh, you're doing a lot to reduce congestion. So, I think that 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 one's uh, really, uh, if they do a similar thing, uh, would be really good. Uh, I I like to call this value pricing instead of congestion pricing simply because it has, I think then, you know, uh, what you just mentioned, Matt, is that you'd be getting some value out of this. Uh, There are a lot of vehicles, maybe. Uh, on the streets that, uh, for my goodness, uh, really shouldn't be there, or don't really need to be there, or could have, or had a really uh, reasonable alternative, as somebody just hopped in their car because it was so darn easy or so cheap. So you know, I think I think some of that is is also uh, pretty darn good, and it's going to bring that. I mean, the, the the space below Manhattan is uh, what the the highest valued real estate, certainly in our nation, I would imagine, and um, you know to bring um, you know a big hulking vehicle, um, probably you you should be paying for it. Uh, so um, uh, that's it. The encouragement of uh, ride sharing in the in the taxis, black cars, and TNCs, uh, you know really uh, anything that could be done along those lines would be really good. And I think, you know, one of the other exemptions that I sort of talk about in class with respect to these things (laughs) has to be with goods delivery vehicles. Um, You know, I, I, I argue in class and I don't know, you know, again, in an academic environment, you end up saying a lot of things that don't play well outside the academic environment. But in the academic environment, you know, we as individuals, we have an alternative. We can take the subway, and the subway runs 24-7. And, you know, in this area, the subway service is really very good. Uh, and so you do have an alternative. But if you need to move goods, uh, to some place for whatever reason. The goods don't have an alternative. The only way that they really move in in below 60th Street is on the streets. And so, uh, you know, they can't go on the subway. There isn't a railroad or something else. And, and my goodness, I, I hope we don't bring drones into this to try to move those goods. And so somehow uh, some accommodation... Uh, needs to be made maybe the accommodation is hey you do all those things at night and you do it for free or you do it between you know uh, midnight and 6 a.m and it's it's free and so on and so forth and certainly time of day value pricing on this thing will definitely be part of it but somehow you know uh, one has to think of the movement of goods too within the context of the city
2: yeah, I mean, I, I would tend to agree with you that this is a, an opportunity potentially for this board to exempt uh, shared mobility. I think that also plays into creating a culture of sharing, which lays the groundwork for the sharing that needs to take place once we Absolutely. get into automated vehicles.
1: Absolutely, yeah.
2: But, I mean, we missed an opportunity, though, because, um, you know, the first leg of this did not exempt uh, shared mobility in the taxis and four-hour vehicles. It, it charges people less money. I think it's 75 cents per passenger. But, um, you know, if, you, if you're if you just alone in, a, in an FHV, it's 275 and it's 250 for taxis. So I'm hoping maybe this board will actually roll that back now that we're going to have all the vehicles in the mix and maybe even exempt, you know, the vias of the world, um, you know, yeah. uh, and, and, and also people in private cars. And, you know, what's interesting, Alan, is, is that, you know, I, I would love to see like a real congestion study Um, come out of this city because, you know, if you look at NIMTIC's statistics, that we have been on a downward trend for the most part since 2006 on private vehicles entering the central business district. They've they've been on the the decline. So I think what's happened is not just the growth of Uber and Lyft and all these uh, FHVs that are on the road, but we have, you know, Amazon looking to get you stuff in two seconds, and everybody now doesn't go to McDonald's on their own. They send their Uber driver to get it. Um, So, I, I mean, I'm a little... I'm a little bit on the fence, Alan, with respect to your comment about whether we exempt uh, freight delivery or, or even use drones, for crying out loud, because I think, you know, frankly, what's going to end up happening, basic economics, is that the, the, the cost, unless you're Amazon Prime, right, the cost of the goods are going to go up. It's just going to be passed on to the consumer if if freight delivery in New York City, including all this new freight uh, uh, you know, the, the paradigm that we have with you know the the Uber drivers like delivering food and and goods in between their passenger trips. I, I think that that's going to lead to potentially cost increases that people aren't going to like. It's going to be a trickle down effect. So I'm a little bit on the fence on that one, um, but I do think we should be looking seriously. And it hasn't really been mentioned at, at you know completely exempting you know electric vehicles, pure electrics, or clean air vehicles. I mean, we can make a lot of good policy with this, you know, and I really hope that they. this is not just an exercise in money and what we call just pricing, but value pricing, as you indicate, where we're looking to add value and further policies. And Stockholm is probably the best example of a, of, the, of all the cities that have done this, that, ha, that have gone down that extra road. And um, great opportunity. Let's just hope it works.
1: Yeah, you know, uh, my only problem with all the electric vehicle things is that really the unfortunately the marginal energy that an electric vehicle uses in the United States is coal. And so, you know, um, yeah I, I understand what the environmental argument is but um if you look at it too closely it doesn't look as good as the mm-hmm. as the way a lot of people put it but anyway i don't want to argue that uh but um uh but yes i think uh, the 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 delivery business uh that's not what i was considering <coughs> goods uh movement you know i'm talking about you know supplying the the um the um uh, Dwayne du- Reed's and, um, and the Best Buys and all the other stores that are there. Um, you know, the, the real truck business and so on. And, and uh, you know, um, I guess the, the maybe the best way to do delivery is on, you know, uh, food delivery is on bicycles and walking and that sort of way. You know, how far is the restaurant you're ordering the stuff from? It's probably one block over. You just... Um, Whatever.
0: <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> I, mean, I don't want to get
1: into Manhattan-type behaviors. I'm going to get myself in trouble. Uh, Whatever. <laughs> so you don't like drones, Alan. I-, I
2: think we should get a hyperloop and some drones. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh,
1: okay. <laughs> anyway.
0: Matt. Matt, you were talking about the money that they that they're going to be raising from this, that the, the numbers that they have to hit you know, New Jersey is already asking for a cut because of the number of people who are going to be flocking to mass transit here. Yeah, I think we're going to see all of this play out. I uh,
1: mean, my, uh, come on, I, I, I didn't see that one. That's like, come on, cut it out. They, they're asking uh, for it.
0: Whether they get it is another story. A
1: cut? Oh, uh, Jesus.
2: I mean, well, yeah, they, they do. I mean, everyone, you're going to see like, you know, this is, When government finds a new way to tax and toll people, this is where it can really get out of hand, that they're looking to solve all of the problems that they have by just taxing people without creating good policy. I think it's a slippery slope, but I think what happened here is we need to bring people to the table in the region to have a serious discussion because, I mean, I don't know if it could have been done any other way. If we had a full-blown hearing and a whole big to-do like we did under Bloomberg, for plan yc where there was drama and we didn't know where whether shelly silver was going to vote for it or against it and and if we it never would have gotten done if the governor didn't slip it into the budget and they didn't make the yeah. effective date after the re-election so now that like, we have to pick up the pieces it, got, it actually got done which is which is actually significant and a huge political lift given the the that voters can't stand it, don't like the idea, and there are a lot of legislators that were opposed to it. So the fact that the governor got this done, you know, kudos to him, because, you know, frankly, you know, just from a political maneuvering standpoint, this was a very difficult thing to get done, whether it's the right or the wrong thing. But now it's going to be the real work begins, because there's no details in this thing. It's like, yeah, we're doing it. This is when we're doing it, but we have two exemptions, and that's about it. So now there's so much work that needs to be done. But we still have a a whole two years almost that we're going to have congestion. And there's no I don't think there's any plan in sight for the next two years for anything to get better at all. In fact, the Uber and taxi drivers are going to continue showing up for work as they did before. And we're going to only see probably a decline or an attrition because people can't pay their bills and they leave the industry, which is not the greatest policy either. So they're looking to get the size of the the four higher pool down. There's absolutely no plan for curbing construction. Um, last night and the last, actually the last two nights, I'm going home and the entire West Street is closed with no signage, with no plan to move people out so I can't get into the tunnel. I'm delayed an hour. You know, I actually called 1010 Winds and I got the transit guy on the phone. I said, guys, you reported everything but this. I said, how did you miss this? And they, of course, they, th- they told me, I'll give you a shout out. They added it to it. But this is like, there's no coordination um, of construction and the way that there should be. There's nobody looking at that. And there's nobody looking at um, these issues right now. And I think it's going to get better. It's going to be worse before it gets any time better. We're, we're looking at three years at least. Uh, I don't think you're going to see any change tangentially in congestion over the next two years, and maybe it's going to get worse before it gets better. People will actually, when it's about to be implemented, be more accepting of it. But we're talking about a long time. You know, we
1: we are. But, you know, one of the one of the pieces of data that is really valuable that's coming out of New York are all the trips that are made by the TNCs and the cabs. I mean, uh, one of my seniors is doing a senior thesis on it. I mean, it is just so darn interesting in terms of of those data. And so we're going to just with with those samples, we Mm -hmm. we know we really do know an awful lot about uh, what the travel times are, what they are throughout uh, throughout the day, on weekends, blah, 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 and so on, different parts of the city. Um, because, in fact, uh, you know, those data have origin, destination, origin time, destination time. And it is it is so darn interesting to see it, at least for a segment of the population that uses those particular entities. So, Um, You know, kudos to uh, to, to the Taxi and Limousine Commission for, you know, uh, 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 requiring that those data be provided by those those entities. So um, it's it's very interesting.
0: I guess. Can can we say that the the hope is, uh, no matter how this shakes out, that it's going to lead to more ride sharing, that the policies really have to be focused somewhat, at least on that?
1: Well, I would think so. I would hope so because that's the only way to really solve this. I mean, if people are going to ride in individual vehicles in and out of Manhattan and around Manhattan, guess what? There are more individual vehicles riding around. And so my goodness, there's just so much, so many, uh, uh, so much space available. And, uh, the only way you can get it you know do anything is remove some of the vehicles if you still want the mobility then uh, geez maybe you should go with somebody just think it in you know in all those tall buildings in manhattan if the elevators just served one person i mean there wouldn't be any room for any, any anything but elevators uh, so, you know, I guess we're going to have to be able to, you know, address this sharing thing and sharing isn't necessarily putting 400 people on the New Jersey transit train, uh, you know, just getting two or three people in, in uh-huh. a car is, you know, would make an enormous difference.
2: I mean, I agree with Alan that, uh, you know, um, Fred that, that we need to have the sharing and, but I think the jury's out on whether we're going to get it, whether the board's going to recommend it. And even if they do make exemptions or carve-outs or incentives, I think the jury's still out on whether people will do it anyway. I think this is – the intent of this bill is clear. It's, yes, to help curb congestion, but its primary goal is to raise money for the MTA, just like you said, Alan, so that people will share on the subway, which is the first form of shared mobility, right? And and that's where that's where I think they think people are going to go. But I would hesitate to say that folks driving from uh, Long Island or New Jersey, or from my parts of Brooklyn, that have luxury vehicles that are, like to drive in, and their their office is their car, those people are not going to stop coming in. But that also is not the source of the problem, in my view. If you look at the stats, the numbers are on a decline. It's really not the private vehicles; it's what's happening once they get in. That's why it's interesting. Like every you know, they, it, rather than just charging the taxis and the and the black cars when they come in the central business district wants like they're doing for the vehicles they're, they're charging for trip so they're discouraging the use of the vehicles um when and you know the one frame of mind or thought would be policy-wise is to you know to kind of ban all so- sorts of cars from certain uh, streets in the city and just let only taxi cabs and black cars and buses run there and not private passenger cars th- there's so many different ways you can skim the cat on this one and I'm just not seeing, I'm not convinced that it's going to work. I, I just feel that, you know, people talk about sharing. I've done pilot programs where we tried to get them to share. The only time, most of the time, you know, outside of, um, you know, some folks who are environmentally conscious and have uh, an ideology that they want to do the right thing for the environment, a lot of people just won't share in New York unless they have to. During the transit strike, they share Um, We did pilot programs after the transit strike to try to, to make it a permanent thing. And the only places that it worked at are places where mass groups of people were stranded and couldn't get a cab at the Port Authority bus terminal, at the airports. The stands that we put in the city failed and the TLC got rid of the program. So it worked well when we had the transit strike. When I did the contingency plan under Bloomberg, we got, and this rarely happens, all four editorial boards supporting how we handled the crisis, because people didn't have a choice. They had to share the camps. But, I mean, to to say that the money is forcing people to share, I think, is an open question. I don't know if it's going to be enough for most people to do that. Um, you know, so I, I just, I have a more of a question mark as to whether it's going to happen. But I do agree with Alan, um, Fred, that it should be done, and there should be incentives built in, and, and, and maybe we should exempt sharing across the board.
1: Yeah, I, I, you know, it is tough. I think we have to we have to change uh, the the discussion and maybe uh, also change a little bit the design of the vehicle so that although, you know, when you're in a vehicle and you're on your device, do uh, you even know what the hell the other person's doing or whatever. <laughs> I mean, everybody's, you know, so compartmentalized in their damn devices. That, uh, who knows what else is going on around them, but. But uh, we, we, need, we need a behavioral change, and, and we may not have an option, okay? I mean, if, if all the same people don't want to go down in the subway, uh, then they may have to stomach somebody else in the elevator when they're going up. I, you know, I just you know, I don't know. <laughs> I seem, you know, the, the laws of physics or something seem to be against us on this one.
0: Oh, on that note, yeah. <laughs> some <laughs> other news. Some other news to chat about. Uh, sure, Tesla has confirmed that it has put the company's new self-driving computer into production and plans to demonstrate the capabilities later this month.
1: Huh. Well, you know, when you read smart driving cars, you'll see that, uh, you know, this may be the most irresponsible thing that Tesla has ever done because, you know, they want to call it full self-driving. And nobody under has a clue as to what the heck that means. And guess what? There's going to be at least one Tesla driver who's going to say, oh, my goodness, I don't need to be in my car. So, therefore, I can send it down the street. And if that car causes any day has a crash, oh my goodness, it's over for this technology. And so you know they better put whatever oversight system on this uh, on this uh, development, so that it's not used irresponsibly. There must be adult supervision on the Tesla autopilot system whatever they call it okay and it's not full of anything except full of bull and <laughs> uh, and darn it uh, this is totally I, I you know i can't say it hard, hard enough totally irresponsible and if this causes an uber type uh elaine hersberger crash then I hope that Tesla is now held not only liable and responsible for whatever uh, the liabilities are of the crash, but of everybody's loss in their uh, valuation who's in this business and you know Tesla will go out of business immediately and have to declare bankruptcy, which they should. Uh, this is to- I mean I- totally irresponsible calling it full anything it's except full a bull is a a total um whatever i said enough well
0: even before you said all that alan tesla (laughs) tesla Tesla did not have a very good day shares down i think more than eight percent after reporting a quarterly sales drop of about 30 percent or more than 30 percent they're forecasting (sighs) though that they'll still meet their annual sales goals
1: Great! I'm. Uh, th- that's wonderful, and I'm happy for them. I think they make great cars. I think autopilot is really a great system, if it's used responsibly. But my goodness, all it takes is 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 one irresponsible behavior, uh, a la you know Uber in Arizona, and all of a sudden, you know we're set back. And this is you know this is a potential f- Fukushima of of smart driving cars. You know, thirty years it's going to be before we we start thinking about nuclear power again because of Fukushima, and it's going to be you know thirty years from now before we start thinking about any of this stuff if 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 there's an irresponsible action. So whatever, I'm ranting. Sorry, everybody. <laughs>
0: Daimler Trucks. <laughs> How do you like that, Matt?
1: How do you da- like that, Matt? Uh, <laughs> New York style venting. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, baby.
0: Daimler Trucks has agreed to acquire a majority stake in Torque Robotics to create a technology a technology powerhouse for automated trucks. Uh, this is a deal, Alan, that's gonna need the approval of regulators here in the US.
1: Yes, it is, because, of course, you know, American technology and a non-American buyer. So, yes, I guess. Uh, But I think for torque, it is a it is a good marriage. And I think for Daimler, it's a good acquisition. And again, with respect to uh, the technology and trucks, I think the way most serious people are looking at this is that this is really for the improvement of the working conditions of the driver and the drivers need a lot of help and uh, we are very far away from anyone even uh, justifying economically the removal of a driver in a uh, class 8 or a large uh, over the road truck and this this whole uh, initiative is for you know goods movement over the road and uh since uh, driving is the uh, is one of the most dangerous occupations uh those that that are so uh, uh, employed uh, need the the safety aspects of this technology and torque is a great acquisition for them
2: alan are you of the opinion like some are uh, that the uh Automated platoon freight vehicles on highways are going to happen first, or do you think that that's a lot of hogwash?
1: That's a lot of hogwash. There is no economic justification uh, for platooning. Um, uh, and uh, I think Daimler a few uh, months ago and so on uh, backed out of that. Uh, the, the platooning is um, the aerodynamic uh, uh, improvements and the fuel savings or microscopic, and um, and the amount of penetration that that you need in order to have, to have uh, any sort of chance uh, that you could find another truck to platoon with um, is so small. I mean, to me, I've always said that uh, that technology that that concept was was devised to uh, sell um, uh, vehicle-to-vehicle communication gizmos. And and had no substance, uh, you know. Over my uh, lifetime, I've looked at a lot of um, of uh, commercial freight movement over the the roadways in the United States, and uh, and essentially the the, the probability that uh, certainly two trucks from the same company are going from A to B uh, at about the same time is close to zero, uh, because uh, what 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 commodities do is they flow. And what you really want to do is you want to basically distribute that flow somewhat uniformly over time, as opposed to sending it in chunks. And, you know, sending a 53 foot, two 53 foot trucks uh, from the same place to the same place at about the same time, that probability is close to zero. Uh, right. So there there aren't the opportunities. And to then do it with somebody else and, and go through all that stuff. About that. So um, you know, it's a nice academic exercise. A lot of my university colleagues love it. Um, um, I'm not on board. Yeah, no, no.
2: I, I I, mean, I, you know, I'm just, you hear different things out there. And, right, um, of course. You know, it all, it's all about following the money, right? And uh, you just, Yes, it is. You made, me, you made me think that, you know, really what's happening here is you have the people that build highways and gizmos for the USDOT and the USDOT itself looking to save its connected vehicle policy somehow <laughs> It kind of breathe new life into I said it. That it I didn't
1: it. say that but I agree with that. Go ahead.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, that kind of could be part of this too, but um you know, I mean, I was at a uh a university event where they were talking about these issues and um, you know, th- there's limitations that the cars have. I mean, you know, what what's the point if, if when you if you're going to try to get any type of efficiency in these vehicles, they have to go faster then they're capable of going. They can only go to with the tires that they have uh, on on the trucks up, up to a certain speed, and then then it becomes really a train. And why the hell don't we just build more freight trains or hyperloops and stuff like well, that? Uh,
1: well, I mean, you know what uh, what the railroad should do is really look to become becoming uh, engineerless. You know, we should buy out the last two positions in every train, and then all of a sudden, instead of you know wanting to run two hundred car. Uh, trains you'd be running three car trains and all of a sudden you have the opportunity to now uh, compete uh uh, in terms of 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 speed and performance um and and in some sense reliability Have the railroads compete but you know no railroad is is really thinking of that you know they can't even get positive train control in there so that's unfortunate but um uh, yes this is uh when you really uh, peel back that onion and you look at tr- some economic justification of, of platooning, it's not there. Plus, it's not the first thing that we should put out there on the road. Automated. Uh, uh, operation of trucks very close together, it's going to freak everybody out on the New Jersey Turnpike. I mean, <laughs> that's probably the only place you can do it. You can go to the well, traffic cameras that are online yeah. and look at the amount of traffic that's on your typical interstate. You know, you get outside the New York metropolitan area or outside the corridor leading from Long Beach. I mean, you know, the, these things are, are few and far between. Um, I get yeah,
2: freaked so, out about the New York, New Jersey turnpike now. I
1: mean,
2: I have to close my uh, still have to close my windows since I'm a little kid. It's the same. You know, anyway, I, I mean, love, uh, you know, if,
1: if you if you really want to do if you really want to, uh, you know, uh, do the congestion relief, uh, the, uh, you, we've got to get to a sharing concept. We agree. And and, and, and get to a sharing concept if we. We could do it without with with people actually, um, you know, maybe being happy sharing. The information systems to create it are not yet in place. The beauty Mm -hmm. about uh, about uh, about Lyft and Uber was that they put together an incredible app that made it that 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 basically took the anxiety um, uh, out of. You know, using having somebody take you someplace. I mean, that that to me was the brilliance of that. They removed the anxiety. You can see the person coming. You know the person's name. You can see what what their performance has been. They get rated. You get rated. They know who you are. You know there it, it, the sketchiness of the whole process was taken out of it you know i mean as you well know with a with a cab driver in new york you know anybody that hails you you have to take them i mean the 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 sketchiness of some of that is you know makes everybody queasy okay but now the app knows you it has your credit card and all that stuff oh my goodness it was it was marvelous we haven't found the app that does that for sharing Although, you know, maybe Facebook knows so much about all of this that, you know, they could pair us all together. Such so if we'd be so happy campers riding <laughs> together, we couldn't believe it. Um, how much invasion of privacy you have to do to make that happen, I don't know. But I, I think we have to somehow get there.
0: Maybe Match.com well, will I get involved.
2: Uh, <laughs> a
1: ride with you, Alan. We'd have lots of good podcasts
2: in the car. I know, <laughs> I know. <laughs>
0: Moving on here, uh, The yeah. Guardian is reporting that self-driving cars could provide something like an $81 billion boost to the British economy by 2030, but they say the potential could be threatened by a no-deal Brexit. Uh, the, data, uh, the data comes I mean, from I, the Society it, of Motor Manufacturers and Traders.
1: I don't know. I, I, we need to blame Brexit for everything, okay? <laughs> whatever. I don't know. Uh, clickbait. <laughs> whatever.
0: And finally, I guess you could call this a cautious approach of uh, five electric Volkswagen cars fitted with the latest in autonomous technology are now driving a roughly two mile section of streets in Hamburg, Germany, where new signals and other traffic management systems have been installed on this stretch to facilitate autonomous driving. And there, there are safety drivers, of course, as well.
1: There are safety drivers, and my goodness, those folks that sold all those uh, traffic control systems, they must be licking their chops because, my goodness, they think that now if it's going to get expanded, people are going to have to buy more of those traffic control devices. So um, I don't know. Sounds to me like uh, that's old news as what's been happening in a number of U.S. cities. Did you see how many LIDARs they have? boy the lidar manufacturers must be must be just um, loving it These, those things have more lidars uh, than carter has little liver pills <laughs> oh my goodness Poor, <laughs> oh, nobody's gonna listen to us anymore fred
0: well those that are we want to remind them that the oh, summit the, the smart driving car summit coming up next month it's almost here alan
1: uh, yes, it's coming up in you know, a little over a month and a half, and of course, um, um, it looks like it's going to be very good. We are taking and going to take a a somewhat a uh, little different focus. We're going to do the kinds of things we've done in the past with respect to insurance and and some of the technologies and so on. But uh, but we're going to try to really focus, especially the, with respect to the driverless pieces. On looking at this, uh, at these um, these uh, things as mobility machines, uh, and these are mobility machines that provide mobility to the mobility disadvantaged first. Um, You know, it's the 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 most improvement in quality of life uh, that these machines could could deliver would be to those folks who have been left behind in, the, as Matt called them, transit deserts and so on, who uh, who need uh, to uh, go to a $15 an hour job or something to, to feed their families or to, or to health care or to whatever else they need, but, but have been completely left behind unless they happen to be rich enough uh, to own and have access to a car for themselves and um uh, you know my estimate is it's uh, you know 15% of the households in new jersey that are that are in this in this uh, uh corner and um and, and then uh, you know when it comes to the other mobility disadvantage the young the old and uh, and uh, and some of the um, physically and and, and mentally uh, challenged individuals <coughs> uh <laughs> they've been totally left behind on, on the mobility opportunity spectrum. So we're going to try to focus on that, understand that uh, their needs a, a little bit more, and to see if we can really direct this technology to optimally serve them. Um, hey, if we're doing it in the beginning, why not do what the where the biggest bang for the buck would be? And and here with the bang, we're talking about improvement in the quality of life. Um, and, um, the finances will take care of themselves, um, and people will be able to make money on this, but, but I think we need to focus that way. And so, um, um, we're going to try that out with respect to the summit. We're going to have some, some live demonstrations. We're going we have a couple of vehicle manufacturers who are going to be, um, uh, demoing their vehicles and so on. Again, with drivers, of course, we're still there, but could go driverless and, we we won't have any of the new traffic control devices that uh, that uh, the Germans put in so that the VWs could operate. Uh, we're gonna actually we're gonna do the we're gonna do the demonstrations in the concourse level of the football stadium, and um, it'll be very nice. I think uh, we're gonna make it happen.
0: And for more info, folks can go to uh, the SmartDrivingCar.com site. You've got all the info there, and that is it for this edition. We want to thank uh, Matthew Doss for joining us. Really appreciate it, Matt.
2: My pleasure, as always.
1: Matt, it's always great having you. I, uh, we're a little crazy, though, I guess, right? <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, I'm, I'm probably just as crazy, so don't worry about that.
1: <laughs> it's great to be you a guys, little crazy, right?
2: I can't wait to your summit, Alan. I just for everybody who's listening, it's an amazing summit. If you anything you need to know is there, all the cutting-edge technologies and ideas and, um, you know, I, I I know it's going to be just as successful as prior years and I'm looking forward to coming and sponsoring and all of that stuff.
1: Great, great having you and, uh, and um, uh, great for you to be with us. I think, you know, the kind of discussion we had here on the podcast is the kinds of things that we try to address at the summit. Look, um, you know, these things aren't simple. They are very challenging. If they were simple, they would have already been done. Um, and so, yes, we have, we have enormous work to do. And I think uh, we try to put all of us in a room or in an area together and hash it out, try to find the good solutions, right, Matt? That's what we do, right? Absolutely.
0: Well, you can find the info again and find us at smartdrivingcar.com. We're on Anchor FM, Spotify, TuneIn, Apple, Google, Spreaker, SoundCloud, wherever you turn for your podcasts. Ask your smart speaker to play us. You can find my tech reports at techstonation.com. I'm Fred Fishkin, along with Alan Kornhauser. Thank you for taking the time to listen.
1: Thank you, Fred and Matt.